Okay, good morning. Shh. Good morning. Today's good morning. It's already. I'm already, ba- I'm already banged up. I got banged up already. Okay. This class is sponsored anonymous. Again, all questions after the class. Anonymous in the formation. Shmuel ben Yafa and the success of him and his son. May the truth be seen, acknowledged, and litigation should not be needed. Amen. The sponsorship of food and drinks is by Cynthia Hanna, Bat Bracha Yafa, and her upcoming return to Israel. Mazel Tov, may she find Zivug, may she have success in business, may she sell her, she has a beautiful book, may Hashem give her success in everything that she has. Amen. Anonymous, that we all build our vessels with the Munan Bitachon, and, and, and Mashiach should come quickly. Avi and Gittel Laserwitz for Zechut that anti-anxiety should never be in anybody's life. Okay, I just want to make a quick announcement that God willing, starting the new year, uh, we're going to change the, we're going to start doing bigger events and with more singles because there's, there's a huge demand for people that want to meet each other and I just, I don't have the ability to, you know, set people up time-wise. So I want to just do bigger events where be, people can come. We do it maybe once a month in bigger venues, so this way everybody can meet each other, and it could be more of a bigger event. So that's the new direction. So obviously we're not going to end up doing any more classes in the Lighthouse. This will be the last class in the Lighthouse. We're very thankful for Michael ben Melech. And God willing, if you're in the WhatsApp group and you're on the website, you'll, you'll see the new coming events. We have an event in, in, uh, in Mexico City, a very, very exciting event in um, August 18th. And then we're, we're in New York in October... I believe October 11th, huge event. And, and so basically, we're just going to do more and more events to bring singles together and to bring more people together instead of having just more often. Okay, so that's the, the, new, uh, that's the new agenda for the new year. Because like we said, we have to get out of our comfort zone. Okay, today's class is also in the full shalem of Yerachmel, the of Abasha, and the success of Elisheva ben Avaka, the Elbon Elisheva, Shef of Elisheva, Emma ben Elisheva, and Reina Malka, but Tova Basha. So today's class is going to be on anxiety, how to go from anxiety to calm confidence. We're going to take a, a ton of books today. Uh, we're really, really going to get down to this subject. Some of the lessons that we're going to talk about is Lesson 61. We're going to talk a great book by the Bay Levy on Pitachon. Uh, lesson 154 in the Kutim Maharan, a little bit more of letting go, living in the presence, think good will be good, and restore my soul by Rabbi uh, Natan. So, just this is more or less where I'm going to get the information from tonight's class. So obviously, anxiety is something very, very um, strong that people are dealing with today, and we're going to try to get to this more, of, more or less, the spiritual root of anxiety. Okay, we already know the the physical root, but what, how do I fix it spiritually? What are some of the tools that I can use instead of you know, except for just breathing and other things? What are some of the tools that the Torah has? What is Rabbi Nachman's advice for anxiety? Things that you would probably n- never think of that can cure your anxiety. We're okay. Everything okay? Okay. Good? Everything okay? Yeah, we're not centered. Oh, not centered. Okay. Life is not centered a little bit. Okay. Good? Beautiful. Second. Excellent. Okay. Wait, now no, I'm not a center. Okay. It's there. good enough. Okay. Great. Thank you. The first, the first topic that I want to talk about is the ability, our sages are always explaining to us, the ability to understand, to have confidence in ourselves. Like we said, if you look at anything in life as a challenge versus a threat, your ability to, to see a situation and see, for example, we could, a person can have the same situation, one person can be excited about it, one person can be threatened by it. So anxious people always see everything as a threat, confident people see everything as a challenge. So it's not like we want to stay away from anxiety altogether, because that's not possible. If you have no anxiety at all, that means you have absolutely no growth and you're not getting yourself out of your comfort zone. So you have to have a little anxiety. The question is, this anxiety has to be channeled into growth and not into an anxiety of being self-absorbed or self-comparison or outcome obsession. So remember, we don't want to say, I don't want to have an anxiety. Oh my God, I have anxiety, something's wrong. Absolutely not. Of course you have to have some kind of anxiety. You open up a new business. You have to have anxiety. You meet somebody new. A little anxiety. A little anxiety is good. But where it gets to become overcoming and trying to control the future, that's what we're trying to prevent. So again, a little anxiety is good. That means you're growing. No anxiety at all, that means you're too comfortable or you're you know, hanging on in goats in, in uh, Switzerland and you have no challenge. So that's also, we want to look at life being a, more of a challenge instead of a threat. And you could see any time 
we see a situation, we have to right away, do we have the ability to, to, to the person who, who has a situation, he has to have the ability to conquer that challenge. And that's based on self-confidence, etc. in a person. So the more we understand that, that events are going to happen, the where do we, how do we hold them, what are we holding inside, and the ability to challenge. For example, when I got remarried, I saw it as a challenge. I didn't saw it, think of it as a threat. So it was easy for me to get married. Or a new business, it's a challenge, it's not a threat. It's based on what you feel about yourself and how confident you are in any situation. If you're not confident in any situation, or you're not prepared, everything's going to be a threat. And that's what, exactly what we want to, we want to completely uh, change. Another bi- big topic of anxiety is fallen fears. And this is where Rav Nachman really, really hits it on the nose. Rav Nachman says in Lesson 154, he says, No, there are fallen fears, all afflictions and stern judgments that a person experiences are entirely from fallen fears. This is the root of most anxiety, a fallen fear. Either you fear your creator, or the fear becomes fallen. See, you can't, like we said before, you can't be half pregnant. Either you fear your creator, or you're going to fall into a fallen fear. Just like we have fallen loves. When, when love, I, I can love Hashem, or I can love uh, uh, drugs. If, Fears have to be elevated back to God. And this is one of the major causes where people are going through is because they have a lot of fallen fears. And the number one thing is obviously dealing with this virus. This constant fear, this constant anxiety over it. This is called a fallen fear. So what happens is, when you trust your Creator, you get your, your Creator's direct supervision. But when you don't trust your Creator and you fall into a fallen fear, then you are under the dominion of that situation, of that virus, that lawyer, that person, that uh, enemy, whatever it is, you've lost the divine supervision. That's a problem. Because it doesn't mean you have to be, you, you could still be religious, not about being, but you have no trust. So anything that Ramachman is saying, that the root of all problems and judgments that we go through today is rooted in fallen fears. And the more you fear that situation, the more it becomes a magnet for, to attract reality. We're going to talk about how to fix this problem. How do I fix this problem? But that's the root of what Nachman says, and you see this today all day long. How many times have you heard the word God in the past month on the news? But all you hear, virus, vaccine, virus, vaccine, this, this, dying, people, God, there's no God anymore. I'm trying to count. I don't know what news station where people say, you know what, maybe we have to have more spirituality. Maybe we have to get closer to our Creator. Covet. The covet is not. All you hear. Scare you. Fear, fear, fear. But what do you see? There's no God anymore. It seems like the God picture is out of the window. Like we're stuck with this virus and we can't do nothing about it. And we're stuck to nature. We're stuck to statistics, etc. But you don't hear the word God anymore. You don't hear that word anymore. It's completely gone. Look at any news day. Look at it. even the conversation that people are talking about. They just forgot about it. They forgot about the word God. And this is a problem. This is a major problem because what happens if we don't have, if we don't have the fear of heaven? What happens? We have a lower fear. And that lower fear can, be, can, can, can unfortunately create the reality for that to happen. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It means you have turned your... You, we've turned our head, we've turned our back to our Creator. He has to turn our back to us. It's the way it works. And this is what the, the warnings of the, the constant warnings that we hear in, in the Jeremiah of saying the constant thing, you've chose, you've chose to, to trust man over, over, over your Creator. So this is the root of the problem. Fallen fears. And Rabbi Nachman says something very clearly. They have fallen to the thing that he's terrified these fallen fears in the Gemara, there's a Gemara Shabbat 77, correspond to the five dreads. The dreads upon the weak, upon the mighty. So the Gemara is telling us that there are five animals. There's an elephant. There's a, like a huge dolphin fish. There's a uh, lion. There's, Gemara is talking about five animals that are afraid of the most ridiculous, small mosquitoes, gnats. Imagine a lion going to his therapist and saying, I can't sleep, I have anxiety, because I have a mosquito that's hanging out around me. What in the world would you tell the lion? 
Do you know who you are? Do you know where you come from? You're the king of the jungle. You're worried about a mosquito? This is exactly what's happening today. The Gemara is actually using these examples. It talks about a gnat, a huge elephant that has a gnat, or a lion that has a... Uh, this is a Gemara 77b. You can look it up. It talks about five big animals that are afraid of the most ridiculous mosquitoes. And they are completely... And these mosquitoes have turned into a complete panic. So we have... This is an example of ours. This is called a fallen fear. So you could be a lion... You could be that, that portion of God, and yet you're walking around afraid of a virus or mosquito or whatever it is. Again, forget the virus. If anything that is not related to your creator becomes a fallen fear. You fear you're not going to get married? Fallen fear. You fear an attorney's going to take your money? Fallen fear. All of these things, if the fear is not elevated, the fear becomes enclosed below. Very simple. That's a simple process. Either the energy is going up, or the energy becomes closed in, in that thing. And this is exactly what Rav Nachman refers to as the letters called Menatzbach, the five severities. Now one has to elevate the fallen fears to their root, their place, and the fear is in the heart. As our sages say, and fear has to have dot. So the whole point is, your whole purpose of your meditation Part of your hisbodidut, part of your meditation, should be talking about all the fallen fears that you give energy to, elevating back to God. And then what happens is when you elevate things back to God, that thing that you feared has no longer jurisdiction to connect to you. Just like we spoke about this concept called double jeopardy. You can't be tried twice. If I sit there and I do my own accounting, heaven is not going to do the accounting for me. But if I don't do my own accounting, heaven can do the accounting for me. So the biggest warning that we always constantly have, and, this, and the Torah is telling you constantly, many, many warnings. Be, even if, even if, if you see that your enemy is more num- numerous than you, do not fear. The, con- the Torah's message is constantly, forget about the size, forget about the, the, how many people they have. The Torah's message all the time is, do not fear. And unfortunately, when you get anxious and you, get, and you start fearing, and next thing you know, it involves your decision-making, and it involves your relationship with your Creator, and then you start getting anxiety over having anxiety, and then it just becomes a mess. It becomes a mess. And then you lose your growth, etc. So very, very important, this concept. Fallen fears have jurisdiction. It's not that God's out to punish you. God forbid, we don't have to have that. The, like we spoke about before, the light of our Creator is undifferentiated. You decide where you want to put the fear to. Bottom line. Bottom line. And this is what Rabbi Nachman is saying here. Fear has to have dot. And it says, surely your fear is in your foolishness. And the dot has to be in the heart. This is because also non-Jews have heart, have dot, but they don't have a heart. They don't have the heart. So we have to take our dot. When we speak about Amuna, when we speak about Bitahon, that's not something you just say, like we said today in the class. Faith is somewhere you go to. It's not, I need to have faith. No, I need to go to faith. I need to go to trust. It's not, it's not a thing that I need to have. It's somewhere I need to put it into my heart. So this is the biggest difference. When you're taking these teachings and you're really, really applying them down into your heart, then it becomes part of you. But if you're just taking these teachings and you're just putting them in your head and it's not going down into your heart, into a belief, you're not going to have the effects. That's where anxiety reigns, etc. So you can learn about bitachon, you can learn about trust, you can learn about these things. But if you don't sit there and meditate, bringing that down into your heart, unfortunately it just becomes in your head. And that has a root of anxiety. This is where Rabbi Nachman says, I don't want you to just study my stuff. Don't, don't just study. Bring these teachings down into your heart. I don't want you to walk around like your lips are moving, but your heart is very far away from me. This is one of the greatest curses that we have. Is there, the lips are moving, but the heart is very far away. That means the concept is there, but the heart is not there. You know, you can, you, you can come into a relationship. You know a relationship if your partner's heart is in there or not. If the heart is there, you're in. But if the heart's not there, you know they're doing things just to make you happy. So remember, if you have a fallen fear, anything but your creator becomes a fallen fear. Whether it could be an attorney, whether it could be a, anything in the world. It's considered a fallen fear, and that has the ability to create judgment on a person. And that has the ability to create the reality. 
And the way to fix this is by taking a daily inventory of yourself, accounting. God, did I put misplaced fear? Did I get anxious because I was worried about uh, my competitor taking business from me? Did I get anxious about uh, somebody taking my zivug away from me? Did I get anxious about anything else that is not directly related to God? Is a waste of energy. And the way we have to do this is through his bodhidut. Very, very important. Because if the fear becomes fallen, it becomes a fallen fear. And that fear has the ability to, 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 to create that, that justice on the person. This is what we do in Breslau, we do Mishpat. This is a very similar concept in the 12 steps. Inventory, the purpose of inventory is to tell our creator the mistakes we made before, so we don't need to, those mistakes do not become dressed in punishments. Because the purpose of punishment was only an absence of returning to your creator. You return to your creator, there's no need, wake, there's no wake up calls needed. But if you don't return to, to your creator, what happens? The wake up calls have to come. You have to also understand that your creator, will, just because you've given up on your creator, your creator has never given up on you. No matter how far you try to run away, where you run away, you don't want to listen, etc., doesn't matter. Your higher self is always trying to get you to closer to your creator, no matter what. So you can run, but you can't hide. Eventually, he'll get your attention. Eventually, you get to... So anytime I do get anxious... Anytime I do get anxious, very simple, I, right away, I go straight into my Wim Hof breathing, I notice it, and then I start saying, okay, where is this, where am I, am I putting a fear misplaced? Am I putting a fear somewhere where I shouldn't be putting? And then right away, I notice it, I go back to that space. So that's one thing, where the, thing, the fear becomes fallen. Remember, it's very obvious, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. You go to a, you go to a store, uh, a salesman hasn't made a sale the whole day, and you feel the guy's anxiety on you. What do you want? What can I get you? Can I get you this? Can I, you, you feel, you feel the guy's energy. Or you go on a date. Are you getting proposed yet? Are you proposing yet? You feel. You don't want to be married to that. People want what they can't have. But when you have this insecurity and you try to double up your efforts and you're showing this fear, people don't want to have anything to do with you. So what do we tell the salesman? Leave me alone. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So you could see. Not only does it not help you. But people feel that insecurity. People smell that insecurity. And nobody wants to be around pushy people. You figure the opposite. Nobody wants to be around pushy people. People want what they can't have, not what they could have. Pretty much opposite. We've been in situations with pushy people, controlling people. You don't want to, you don't want to be with it. There's no, there's no space. There's no, you feel, and this is only due to a, unfortunately, a fear of losing losing the person, and that's why they, they double their effort, but at the end of the day, they sabotage the situation. So very, very important to every day, notice the fears, elevate the fears. We're going to talk about how to actually, what practical advice is to elevate fears, but number one thing is you have to, before you even get to anywhere, you have to notice what fears have you not placed to your creator. When I look at the news, it's only Hashem, only Hashem. Yes, I'm cautious, I work on my immune system, I'll do what I need to do. But it's only Hashem. Only Hashem. That's it. If it's meant for you to get it, you're going to get it. If it's not meant for you to get it, you didn't get it. My trainer, he was working out all day long talking about the code. He got the vaccine. Next thing you know, next day he got the virus. It's, you don't want to give it energy. We don't want to give anything energy. We don't want to give fear energy. We want to completely cancel it out from our heads. Any kind of things. Whether it's that, you want to cancel it out. Completely cancel it out and say there's only God. And that's not being... Um, careless is being connected to your creator. It's not being careless. The fact that I don't have to worry and you have to worry doesn't mean I'm not taking responsibility. I'm just connected above. And if you're connected above, you don't have to worry below. But if you're not connected above, you have to worry below. That's pretty much the, the same thing. Again, you know, I've been, in, I've been doing his bodhidu for you know, 10 years. So when you build 10 years of his bodhidu, you're building a muscle. You're building a muscle in your head that nothing can make you... You look at everything completely. There's no fear. There's, you, don't, you don't fear anything. You don't fear businesses. You don't fear nobody. And to live like that, where you're able to make massive decisions and live a fearless mindset, it's, it's, there's no price for it. But that's what you get. That's the reward for the day-to-day, day-to-day meditation, day-to-day. When you're doing this every day and you're constantly building that solid muscle, nobody can knock you down. Nobody can knock you down. And that is, that's ultimately, when you get to that point, you can do anything in the world. So that's lesson 154. Lesson 61. 
You have to, we, we spoke about this many, many times, the living, the concept of not being in the moment. Okay, Rabbi Nachman told us very simple, a hundred times. He told us, all you have is the day ahead, the moment ahead, and the hour ahead. That's all you have in your life, is the day. Is the day ahead, that's all you have. And he's telling us this constantly, this message. That if you think about it, Rabbi Nachman saying that God is beyond time. And it's true that the essential time only stems from nothing but a deficient comprehension. You understand? Time only exists in a deficient comprehension. The more conscious I am, the more time does not affect me. Time does not bother me. But the, when, when I'm not in the moment, time becomes my biggest enemy. We're going to explain that situation. For example, you have clients that come to my rehab right away. Okay, when am I leaving? They just got there. What do you think? How do you think you got into the mess? You, you, the fact that you're using without thinking, what do you think you have to do? Now you have to wait and build a vessel. The whole point is, the, how you got into the mess, you have to literally do the opposite to get you into the mess. That got you into the mess, into the mess. So God is telling us here that time essentially stems from nothing but our deficient comprehension. Because our intellects are limited, the greater the intellect, the more contract, time contracts and is nullified. That is ultimately living in the moment. That means when I'm in the moment, and I'm focusing only on today, and I'm focusing only on this prayer, and this class, and this it, then all of a sudden I can be 100% fully present. I will not be anxious, because I'm in the moment. There's no time element. I'm conscious. That means the more aware you are, the more likely you're going to, time's not going to bother you. And we know this exactly. Pretend, just go on a date you don't like. Go on a date. Go on a date you don't like. Time begins to forget it. Time, how long is the date? 15 minutes or 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Time is, is forever for you. That's because you're not aware. You're not, you're not present. But if you're, in a pre, if you're present on a date and you like that person, there's, what a time. What, wow, three, four hours. This is what's called, when you're having fun, time flies. Or time flies when you're having fun. This concept that time flies when you're having fun, that means I'm... In the moment, I'm conscious. But when we're not conscious, time begins to become the biggest enemy in life. And that is something where we're always chasing the next moment. And this is the root of missing out. We always think, oh, we're missing out. FOMO, or uh, I should be here and I'm here. I get anxious and I start comparison. I should, be, have, have, I should have more money by now. And then all of a sudden, this creates a constant, constant, constant lack of moment. And then what happens? You keep on chasing new moments, a new moment. And then what happens? Like the ego says, the ego tells you the next moment is better for you. You know what happens when you get to the next moment? It's going to tell you, you need another moment. And then you need another moment. That's what the ego does. The ego's job is to tell you, you never have enough. You could always do better. So you're always chasing the next moment. You're always chasing the next moment. This is, we take this example, go to a restaurant, and have 30 things on the menu, 40 things on the menu. It becomes an anxiety attack. If they would have just given you seven things to pick from. But now, how about if I, I would have picked that? I would have I liked it better. I would have picked that. And all of a sudden, a simple dinner is, becomes a, a complete mess. Somehow Jewish restaurants, they like to put sushi. Mexican restaurants like sushi. Everything has sushi. Cocoa Pops with sushi. It's just... It, the bottom line is when you go to a very, very expensive restaurant, this is, what you, this is the menu, this is what you pick, and that's it. There's no, there's no extra things on the menu, because this, this is what we specialize in. But the whole point is, people think, well, even if I order this, I could be ordering that. So they get anxious about not making the right decision. So that's also rooted in, it's not enough. It's not enough for me. So the more you're aware of this, the more you're aware, the less, the more anxiety goes away. When I, when I hear a client say, I accept, I need help. I'm willing to do the program. Oh, the lights went on. Because time no longer is bothering them. They know they have to go through this. They know they're, they're learning. They're not anxious anymore. Where they're going to be, their job, their family. They're in the moment. So now when they're in the moment, they can actually change. But when they're not in the moment, they're thinking about going to the next moment. Then... They don't get that moment. And then they keep on repeating the same cycle over and over and again. So the greatest way to do this is definitely through breathing. When you see anxiety, for example, when you start praying, 
Sometimes, you know, you're not, your head's not there. You're thinking about work. And the chazan's going 20 minutes singing. And if you're not in that moment, wow, that 20 minutes, you want to kill the guy. But when you're in that moment, when you're praying, you don't even hear who's praying next to you. It's a whole different experience. Same thing with, learn, same thing with anything you do that you're passionate about. Time doesn't bother you. But anything that you're stressed about, time begins to become the enemy. Because you're basically saying, I'm here, but I want to be there. And that gap from being here to wanting to be there is the gap of time. And time is rooted in imagination. And once imagination comes over, forget it. That's the end of the story. Imagination takes over, takes over your head, puts you in all kinds of panic attacks, etc. But the root cause of it is, how do you fix this? How do you fix this practically? How do you fix this? You have to be more conscious. You have to have more dot. Back to the same thing. The more I learn, the more I recognize that anytime I'm getting anxious is the sign that the Yetzirah wants to put me somewhere else. I need to go right back to focus. And you'll notice it. Once you start noticing, you'll notice the anxiety, then you can tame the anxiety. You're not fighting the anxiety, you're noticing the anxiety. Then you're taming the anxiety. Very simple. And you could take this, and you know what, the, the, whole, the whole point of our spiritual task in, in, that we're going through is to have kavana. Because when you have kavana, when you have the heart and the mind together, that's what creates shefa. That's what creates abundance. I could pray. I could say, my head's here, my head's here. That's not a, that, that does not create shefa. When I'm saying a blessing and my head's in here and my phone is here, and how am I going to create a blessing? So it's very important, our sages said, whatever you're doing, don't do much, but whatever you're doing, be mindful of what you're doing. Because when I'm mindful, then I can say the same blessing, and all of a sudden, I can get energy from that blessing. When you do a mitzvah, you get energy from something. But when you don't, when you don't do a mitzvah without the right head, there's no kavana, you don't, you don't get the energy from it. The, per, the real purpose, after you pray, you should walk out of your prayer with tremendous amount of energy. If you did it right, you would have tremendous amount of energy because you're released, you, 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 you connect it to your higher power, you let go of things, you, you're supposed to be completely refreshed. That means if I'm doing a spiritual task and I'm not re-energized, chances are I'm not, the heart and the mind are not there. The heart and the mind are not there. I'm not using my kavod. That's a side telling you. You're not focused on what you're doing. Because when you're focused, it's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different ballgame. And this is the job today of the distractions in our lives. And the distractions are, I could be somewhere else. I'm never, I feel the feeling of I'm never in the right place. If I have $100, I want 200 And that's the anxiety that I have. If I'm married, did I marry the right person? Is this person my zivug? Well, you're married already. Make it into your zivug. It's not this concept of, did I, did I pick the right business? You did it, you didn't make it into the right business. It's not, uh, did I write? Is the prices right? Did I pick the right thing? Make it into the right thing. That's what the Torah is telling you. Make it into that. You have to make it. You have to work it. You can't just sit in decision fatigue. Did I do this right? Did I do this right? This is how we get into a pattern of always questioning ourselves, which is also related to tremendous amount of anxiety. And you have to catch all this stuff. You have to catch this stuff. Like we said many times, the grass is greener where you water it. Where you water it. That means where you put your energy, that's where you see energy in your life. When you don't put your energy in something, you don't see energy in that. That's, it's not hard concept. You want to be in shape, you got to put your energy into your health. You want to be this, otherwise you see the results. The results are there to tell us clearly. So that's the element of, of time and the relationship. Another major cause of anxiety is unfortunately sinning. Our sages say, I worried because of my transgression. So unfortunately, when a person sins, he has a, a for, some of a worry. The purpose of the worry is to get him to repent. Our sages, I worried for my transgression. This is the concept that when Judah didn't confess, what happens? His bones were shaking. So Rabbi Nachman says, anytime we do sins, the negative permutation of that sin gets engraved into our bodies. Okay? And the way we can 
fix it is by confessing. I made a mistake. This is why we say every single day, we say um, confession. Because when you're confessing, you're getting rid of those in alphabetical order. You're getting rid of all those transgressions. But sinning also can create transgression. That means you could be, you know, the vegan, the, 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 the most peaceful guy in the world, but you're sinning, you're still going to have anxiety. Particularly in the area of where Rabbi Nachman says, klipot. Klipot referred to, unfortunately, sexual blemishes, things like that. That's a major cause of anxiety for men. Because what does a klipa do? There are three types of klipas. There is a ruach sa'ara. Ruach sa'ara is a wind of despair. There is a flashing fire, which is an impulsive nature. And the last one is a great cloud, which is this brain fog. So klipas, when a person it does sin, he does unfortunately have there's a certain level of klipot that attach to the person. And those klipot rattle the person. They rattle him. They make him, they make him unedgy. They make him not feel himself. And then unfortunately, people medicate with other drugs to fix that problem. You understand? They, medicate, they fix that problem, medicate with other problems. So this is where the generation today, again, I don't want to go there, but you figure it out. You know, they're using the wrong medication for anxiety. And anxiety is telling you, come to your creator. Something's wrong. Come to your creator. Not medicated to not feel the anxiety. What do you think he gave you the anxiety for? Gave you anxiety to come closer to him. So this is why I advise for the men to do the 40-day challenge of tikkun aklali. Because tikkun aklali is, a, is an anti-anxiety. It gets rid of this klipot. These klipot live. Anytime you create a klipa, it lives. And who has to sustain it? You. Imagine you went to Honduras and you had, an, you had three kids there. All of a sudden, those are your kids. You have to sustain them. So anytime we create a sin in this area, you have to sustain them. So one of the things I remember when I was 20 in that lifestyle, major anxiety, major anxiety, no idea why, it was due to that. So when I started doing the Tikkun Klali, started going to the mikvah, the anxiety completely went away. So for men, that is a very, very important concept to the... When your person does this, he can create tremendous amount of anxiety. And not only that, but it'll, it'll make him cold. The worst thing about getting too physical in relationships is it, it cools you off and it gets you confused. Okay? You're try, you're, imagine you're about to make the biggest decision in your life to get married. And, you're, you, and you're like, you have like 10% concentration. Yeah, let's get married. <laughs> not going to do it. So this is why we have to cool off our impulses and heat up our vision because you don't want to walk around and imagine you want to get married you have all these you have all this anxiety and stress and, 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 and which is not the real self it's these klipot so klipot which is come from sin predominantly this area can create tremendous amounts of anxiety and you can go to all the doctors in the world they will not be able to fix it because it's a spiritual thing going to a mikvah learning Torah tikkun aklali that will help that situation be fixed at the root so there's a lot more than the average, uh, you, know, you know, according to your theories, your therapy. And many people have tried absolutely everything else for their anxiety and it's not worked. So you have to change your theory. That means if your theory was the doctor model and it's not working, now you need to go into the spiritual model. Such as what you're watching, etc. Then that has a tremendous amount of klipot. And this is what I'm trying to get people. Listen, first I got to get you to think clearly. Once you think clearly, the rest, is, the rest is history. Another cause of anxiety is holding things in. Okay? We always say angry people are always angry. Fearful people are always fearful. Because, like we said before, whatever you, we are, we're all holding things in in our lives. But to the extent that you hold in, right, something happens, it triggers you. And when that situation triggers you, it's going to basically trigger. It's not that the event caused you to get angry. It's you were angry or you were fearful, and that event just triggered you off. This is why we always want to focus not on the thoughts itself. This is what the whole book about letting go is all about. The whole book about letting go is recognizing that the world events, that people outside of you, all of these situations, nobody can get you angry, nobody can get you anxious. You are anxious, but they just triggered something that you're already holding in. So that this is when we, we recognize that, we start working on the feeling. And the reason why we're holding these fearful feelings is because we've held them in so, so much. I mean, look what's going on in the past year and a half. How many 
shutdowns and, and pandemic and people die. It's tremendous amount of uh, people are holding a tremendous amount of things. Tremendous levels of anxiety. It's not because they're releasing. It's because they're holding it in, holding it in, holding it in. So we have to make sure that part of our daily ritual is let it go. Because the more you don't let go, the more these events are going to bother you. Not everybody's bothered by the same events. But the more, to the extent that you let go more, events bother you less. But when you don't let go of anything, these events just accumulate. And this is exactly what people are doing today. They're not letting go of anything and just watching TV all day long. So what are they doing? Continue. Hold more. More, 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 more. All they're doing is just becoming, building that immune system, their immune system, because they're holding in. So it's very, very important. Again, none of this, you can't do any of this without a ritual. You have to have a set time to be able to work on elevating the fears to back. You have to work on a situation to let things go. You need a set time to do this. That's why the mornings is when you usually have a lot, the most energy. We know our willpower is very depleted in the afternoon. Especially, I, I know my willpower in the afternoon, I'm not even thinking about contemplating. The afternoon has very, very... The energy in the afternoon is very hard. You just have to get through it. But in the morning, you have a lot of clarity. And that's the time where you really, really want to... You don't want to waste those mornings on nonsense. You want to waste those mornings with a great letting go technique, such as hold, what do you feel holding anything in and letting it go. Because things won't affect you so much. You know? Imagine a girl has not let go of anything and she got cheated on another relationship. All it has to be is her boyfriend not texting her back in five minutes and so a full-blown panic attack because she's holding in all this fear. Five-minute text. The guy, poor guy can have a, his battery off for one day. And he's, she's, that's it. It's, it'll be the end of the day for her. That's a problem if you're so triggered by these things. These little things trigger you and they make you fearful, then you have, you're holding, the problem is not the thing situation. The problem is the t- tremendous amount of things that you're holding in. And this is where you have to really, and I, and I think that was really one of the major causes, is nobody's letting anything go. The way you let it go is you notice it, you notice the feeling, and you just let it pass through you, and you just let it go. We don't want to worry about the thoughts, we want to focus more on the feeling that I'm feeling. What am I feeling? I'm feeling fear. Okay, why am I feeling fear? And let it go, let it pass. Don't resist it. Don't resist it and letting go. That's more, we could talk about that concept more in that. But remember, until you work on a situation where we have constant, your energy level is very based on how much you let go. I mean, practically. I mean, just look at marriage. If you don't let go in your marriage, it's resentment 101. You didn't pick up the kids today? I can't believe you did this to me. That's not from the kids not being picked up five minutes later. That's from a lot of other things that are, that are being brought up because you didn't let go. Did you cook it? Did you do this? Who are you talking? Everything's become a threat in the marriage. And we've all been there. We've all been there when, the, when we're not letting things go. We're holding a lot of resentment. Next thing you know, the little things become the biggest problems. Little things become like explosions. But when people are getting along... You could see these things, they're not a big deal, where other times when you see a lot of tension, this is where I say, just say, you can have, when there's no love, you can have a big house and everybody's going to annoy you. But when there's love, you can have a small house and there will be love. So it's not the quality, the quantity of the house or where you live, it's the, the energy between both of you. And it's usually somebody, one of the two, have to be the ones that let, let it go. And that's, this is exactly why our sages say, when you put the mezuzah for Sephardics, for, I'm sorry, Ashkenazim, they put the mezuzah slanted. They put it slanted to show you you have to be flexible. Also Moroccans, they put it slanted too. They follow the Ramah. I don't know why, but the Moroccans, I think they took advice from the Ashkenazim. Slanted, that means when I'm walking into my house and I see a mezuzah slanted, it's teaching me be flexible. Don't be so, I, this way or the highway. Don't be, so, don't be so particular about the way, your way. It has to be your way. Be very flexible. Our sages always tell us, be very flexible like a reed. <clears throat> the last step on letting go, the last step that we need to talk about that's a major cause of anxiety is from this great book by a good friend of mine, Benji Epstein. Benji Epstein's a doctor. I grew up with him in Miami Beach. And he wrote a great book called Living in the Presence. Beautiful book. And he says here, maintaining presence. He's saying here that God's original intent was when a person strove to attain a goal that he would attain the same pleasure as the means 
as you would from the gull. That means the tree and the fruit tasted exactly the same thing. That was the original intention for Hashem. But what happened on the fourth day of creation, the earth complained, and it became two separate concepts. The tree and the fruit originally were supposed to taste the same. That means you should have the same excitement about being single than being married. It should make no difference. It should make no difference. The process. But when we separate, what he's saying here, when that became a separation, when a person separates and says, I need this to be happy, he's, doing, he's literally doing exactly the same thing that happened with the tree and the fruit. It became two separate objects. How many of you, I'll, I'll be happy when this happens. Already, you're already, you're dead already. Because anytime I need something, that means I've not, I'm not in the process. I'm not in the consciousness that this is something I have to grow through. Let's say I, you know, I had a conversation with, with somebody that just got married. Okay? They're, they're 37 years old. They got married. And all of a sudden, as soon as they got married, all of a sudden, this tremendous amount of, of uh, it's going through a tremendous amount of cleansing. But I told him, he's, he's one of this, did I marry the right person? Did I not marry the right person? I said, let me explain to you something. 36 years, you went out, you had all the fun in the world. Now you're finally getting married. So what does God do? He sees you going in the right direction. But now we need to cleanse the 34 years of all the fun. So the first year, you're going to have a little cleansing. If he notices, he says, thank you, Hashem, for the cleansing, then it doesn't be, he's not bothered. Just like a guy, he hasn't paid his taxes in 10 years. All of a sudden, he says, you know what? I want to become, I want to pay my taxes. I feel bad not paying taxes. So he finally pays taxes this year. As soon as he gets taxes, oh, look who woke up. The IRS audits him for nine years of taxes. But he gives it to them at a, at a good deal because he did it voluntary. But there's times in life where we have to go through cleansing. And this is one of the reasons in life that Rav Nachman spoke so much about. That anytime we're going to get close to any light, anytime we're going to go to any goal, spiritual cleansing, a light, you have to get ready for the cleansing. And these are the cleanse. The cleansing is all the battles, the confusions, the ups and downs, the despair. This is part of the process. This is part of the process. This is exactly why when we eat the bread, we put ten hands on the bread. Because in order to make bread, it just didn't just pop in the oven. <laughs> you had to break, you had to separate the shaft, you had to put the bread, you had to... Ten steps. Once you finally get the complete product of the bread, then you bless it. But the, the, the amount of, of work that it took to make that bread on your table was not instant five-minute rice. It was separating and cleansing and separating. It's the same thing in our lives. Before we're going to taste the fruit, before we're going to taste something sweet, you're going to have to do a lot of get, get a lot of cleansing. So it's very important that going through something, like we said, not going through something, growing through something is a very common thing. But if it's, if it's not with the right mindset, it could lead to major anxiety, such as how long is this going to happen? And as long as I say how long is it going to happen, basically that's causing the resistance and the situation gets worse and worse. So this is why it's very important the concept of surrendering and acceptance, which I, I do very often. Something that's beyond my, I tried with my own will, I tried everything I can, and, and, and I know when to stop and say, I'm letting go of the outcome, I'm surrendering, I have no idea what I'm doing. Here you go, creator of the world. And you have to be able to do that constantly. Because the more you try to stop the process, the more suffering we're going to have. And this is exactly rooted in creation. It says... Before Adam removed the fruit from the tree, God cursed him with death. It was not a physical death, as as evidence says, he did not die, nor was the sentence to be mitigated. Rather, it was when a, when a, when a person lived saying, this is going to make me happy, this condition has to happen to make me happy. Imagine if you're single and you start already acting like you're married, like you don't care if you're married or not. You already become it. Then you start attracting. It doesn't bother you. But imagine if, oh my God, I need to get married. I need to make money. I need. Then you're using force instead of using your own power to attract things. And I've said this many times. We have to do more attracting and less forcing. The world forces too much, right? Instead of attracting. Let's say I'm dealing with a difficult person in my life. Okay? We have a Rolodex. What should I do? hold resentment towards them, want to hate them, I actually have to wake up and send them tons of love. 
The opposite. Imagine you're dealing with complicated. You have to wake up and send them so much love because love heals everything. And when you send them love, they will send you love back. It's the way it works. This is why Rabbi Rush always said, somebody that bothers you, send them love. Send them tons of love. And when they feel that love coming to them, what do you think is going to happen? Love comes back to you. Because it's our natural indication to want to hate that person. And, to want to, and, we're, we're, and, we're, and we're under the rule of hate, wanting to hate that person. That's when you have to do the opposite. You have to send them love. So this is another thing that we, we have a constant situation of needing, waiting for the outcome to finish. Waiting to get the fruit. When's the fruit going to come? What time is the fruit going to come? And that heavy weight of waiting does not allow the process to happen. But once you start using power to attract it, you will be able to be much more successful than always chasing. Chasing. This is not what we want to do. Spirituality, you want to chase. If your creator is not giving you the ability to meditate, you have to tell your, I want to meditate. You can't live it. I mean, I can be very aggressive spiritually and ask my creator, I need you to help me with this. I need you to help me with this, but financially and other things, you don't want to use that. You want to let it come to you. You want to let it come to you versus forcing it, which is a big, big difference. And today you see the opposite. Financially, people force everything. Spiritually, I'm good. I'm okay. It's the opposite. You're, when you create, when you put enough energy in your spirituality and you're making demands, spiritually, he will give them to you. But then you know financially and other things that you need, that you have to let it go and you have to let God by becoming it. That means the easiest way to attract something that you're going to get in your life is to become it, not to force it. Because it could be that we're in the danger of trying to force something at the wrong time. Rav Nachman writes, this is the root of all suffering, is when a person tries to eat unripe fruit. Unripe fruit, do not just, it's not talking about a banana, okay? He's talking about eating something before it's the right time. But if a person gets something before the right time, it can not only not be beneficial for him, but it could be detrimental. Wanting to get married when it's not the right time, when you haven't worked on yourself. Where do you think you're going to see that therapy? You'll see it in marriage. Trying to be in business when you don't have the right mindset. What do you think you're going to see? You're going to see the mistake in business. So this is why a creator constantly gives us these constant tests. So we're able to create the vessel. And then we don't chase it. We don't chase it. Smart people already adapt a feeling of abundance before. They don't go chasing and they don't show other people their frustration and other people. You never do that in business. You go tell them, I'm frustrated you're not closing on the deal. Never. It shows weakness. It's like a poker player getting nervous when he gets a hand. It would be the, it would be the worst thing he could do. We have, to, we have to attract it more. This is the main emphasis that I tell people. Attract what you want. Feel the vibration. Vibrate at that level and then things will come to you. We're doing too much chasing because we don't trust it. We don't trust the process. And we're doing it instead of attracting more. And this is such a problem. I keep on saying the same thing. Always, it's always an internal situation. It's never the external. If it's, if it's, if it's a desire out there that you're, that's happening that you're not getting it, increase your desire. But don't force it. This is how funny that our sages tell us that the key, to, the key to healing is not worrying more and getting more doctors. Rav Nachman tells you that the key to healing is let go and be happy. How do you like that one? Does that make any sense? Let go and be happy. That does more healing for you than, than, than stressing it because you can't, you can't heal if you're, in that, if you're in stress anxiety. Your creator is telling you, you want to exit a problem? Already adapt the joy before you get out of the problem. Already picture yourself like you're already out of the problem. Our sages are telling you, always adapt what you want to feel in advance. Don't wait, don't be the person waiting for something to happen so you can change your life. You know, this is a common, common, people say this all the time. Once this is over, I'll, I'll laugh about this. Opposite. Laugh now and then it'll be over. And I always tell this to myself, the problem is the solution. And joy is my exit strategy. Those are the two main anchors. When I'm going through very difficult challenges, I say those two things. The problem is the solution. That means within the, own, within the problem is the solution. And joy is the only exit strategy. 
And joy does not involve any kind of rationality. Joy involves a place where you go. And moon is a place where you go. This is where we need to get to the place of practicing more the imagination the right way. We're not using our imagination the right way. We're using the imagination the wrong way. We're using our imagination for anxiety, for figuring out the worst case scenarios. It's a wrong use of imagination. Use your imagination to picture yourself where you want to go. And this is not hocus pocus, law of attraction stuff. This is written in the Torah. Torah is telling you, through joy you will go out. A a person with a moon has many blessings. When you have trust, you have mercy. The Torah is telling you this a thousand times. A thousand times. Already enhanced an emotion. We know this from Miriam. Miriam already brought the... When she, was, she believed so much that they were going to split the Red Sea, she already brought the band and the drums. And their sages say because of the amuna of the woman, the sea was split. So this concept about you don't, have to, you don't have to be, I need certainty in my life. Good luck waiting for it. You need certainty in your life? Try to get it. No such thing. And the more certainty you want in your life, the more crazy you're going to get trying to get certainty. The more crazy you're going to be trying to find certainty. Certainty? What is that? What does that exist? No such thing as certainty. Once you recognize that, you embrace uncertainty, you grow from uncertainty, and that's really the key. So remember, we have many things we could do. First, obviously, the Gemara tells us, transform the anxiety. Speak about the anxiety to your Creator. Speak about it. Talk to your Creator. It's a message to get you closer. It's the only thing what an emotion is supposed to do. An emotion is supposed to bring you closer. That's what an emotion does. Another thing, talk to your friend about your anxiety. Sometimes our sages, I heard this from Rabbi Silverman, one of my rabbis, beautiful chidush. She says, listen, it was decreed that that person should have a problem. But all of a sudden, that person tells somebody else about the problem. It wasn't decreed on him to have the problem. So when he tells his friend about the anxiety, all of a sudden, now two people have this issue. What happens, Hashem will take away the issue because he shouldn't have anything to do with this. So it's very important sometimes because you burden somebody else with your problem that God will take care of your problem because other people are involved in their merits. So it's very important. The Gemara says, talk it out. Talk out your anxiety. Talk out your anxiety to people. Usually when it's raining, somebody will tell you, you know, this is not the right time to fix the roof. We have to wait till the the storm comes down. But you're saying, I want to fix the roof right now. So sometimes you need a person to tell you, listen, you can't fix the roof when it's raining. But in your head, when you're emotionally charged, you want to fix the roof right now. So you need other people's perspective. It's very, very important. So talk about it, express it. Or the third one, go into major breathing. Go into major breathing. When you go into a very major breathing, it's a, it's a number one way to, to get rid of some anxieties because you get back to, your, to a concentration. Any questions? Any questions? Any questions so far? Yes.